0: Welcome to Spiritful Wanderings. Rochelle and I are here to have a conversation with Gabriel Kazan and he does really inspiring work in the community, um, in particular working with men and we are really curious about exploring the topic of initiation with him today and welcome Gabriel. We'd love for you to share and introduce who you are and what it is that you offer.
1: Thank you. Great to be here. I'm, I'm happy to be uh, connecting with you around this. So I'm a men's coach. I work holistically with, uh, with the body, like the life space of the man, and the relationships with a focus on purpose, which looks different for every man, but also includes business, and um, leadership. So that's some of what I'm up to. Uh, my background is training in uh, somatic therapy and art therapy. So uh, that's mm. also part of an, the other business I run is counseling and art therapy. Uh, and I work out of Nelson and around the Kootenays as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, um my sense is you've you've had quite a bit of experience working with men in lots of different experiences and stages and initiations is that right
1: yeah and being a man helps um that i've also <laughs> yeah. been part of lots of uh initiations and um been on a path and been a seeker uh and in many ways received a lot and uh, bringing that and weaving that into what I do professionally is just sort of where I'm at. I did run a men's group in Nelson called the circle of men for three years. That was, uh, really transformational, uh, for the men who came into it and were, were, uh, really showing up for it regularly. And men came in and out of that program over that course of that time. Um, and really, uh, yeah, I, I learned a ton too. It was, it was almost like my initiation leading those groups for those three years to, to prepare me to be the men's coach that I am today, to really understand the male mode of feeling and understand the pressures on on men these days and what men need to pull together their their potency, their power, and their courage so they can show up in the best possible way in their circumstance. Um, and the unique trauma, I think that is uh, in the bodies of men, which which is different. Uh, and that's a big part of why I do this work is um that men and women speak different languages and have different needs.
0: Mm, I'd love, yeah, it's so I know those words too, potency, uh-huh. courage. I'd love to hear more, Gabriel, if you're up for sharing, just I'd love to hear more about what you see or what you've learned about these unique needs or these unique traumas for, I guess that's two different questions, but unique traumas and unique needs.
1: Um, Well, you know, the thing that comes first to mind is shame um, as a powerful force uh, that shapes all of us, because it's a master emotion. We're all swimming in it. And w- one of the things about shame is that, you know, it affects all of us, whether we talk about it or not. And that's, I think that's a Brene Brown quote or something, but um, because it's reinforced inside the individual, but it starts in the family or in society, in the culture. So it's both, it's both and. And uh, men and women experience shame very differently. In the way we're conditioned. And so that's kind of the first place to start. And I I distinctly remember hearing Brene Brown tell the story about um autographing some of her books. And these woman and her daughter got the autograph and, and they were really excited to talk to Brene. And then they they moved on in the lineup. And then the husband of that woman came up and he he had this exchange <laughs> with Brene that really showed her how little she actually understood of how men experience shame, because he made a comment to her like, yeah, I'd rather die than fall off my horse uh, for for my wife and let them see me fail. So, it explains a lot of male, the male suicide rate, which is much higher, mm-hmm. and um, also the crisis of masculinity that I think we're in these days with the kind of the meltdown of, of gender roles and in some ways a cancellation of, of maleness, uh, of manness. Um, and so, yeah, reverse engineering that, that shame pattern in the, in the bodies of men that is also an intergenerational trauma around fathers and um, what other generations went through, that's a big part of this movement of men's work that I am just one part of. Um, And there's a kind of a flailing international body of, of practice of men gathering and doing deep and powerful transformational work on what it means to be a man and embody a new center of power in the times we live in and, and to face the times we live in, but also with like ancient, ancient, um, Knowledge, you know, it's not like we're reinventing anything. It's all encoded in our bones, in our DNA. It's it's in our bone memory of of what we remember and know. And um, it really just helps to come together and be challenged. Because one thing I know that men need is uh, to be challenged. Men need confrontation in order to grow.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm just so, I have so many things I want to say, but I, I mean, I'll just start with what you just ended with, with talking about the traditional wisdom and bringing that in and that that's in us and we can access that even today. And I'd also imagine that it would be a huge challenge to bridge and balance in, in initiation or rite of passage, like this work that men need to Do like bridging that wisdom of the traditional and the contemporary, you know, modern times, like, how do you find you can weave that together to support men in the work that you're doing? Um,
1: Great question. (laughs) I, You know, I think the thing that's continuity between the contemporary and the modern is the body. So that's where I always come back to. And, you know, just like all the wisdom traditions that, that traverse the body, that's the place to start. Because when we tune in to yoga or martial arts, anything that's that layer of, of knowledge, then, then we're tapping into the knowledge and wisdom of bodies from ancient times. And, and we can break some of the spells that uh, we, modern, mo- modern life wraps around us or we, we re <laughs> reify and create lies that limit us. Um, so yeah, I think that's part of it. And, and just to circle back to finish the thought about sh- the, sh- the different types of shame, the, the, like, if we were to boil it down to just one statement, the way women tend to experience shame is often uh, related to appearance or um, being sexy or how they show up, like how the, how the culture kind of has that overlay. Um, Whereas men, which is a whole other conversation, but as men, um, the weird uh, layer of shame that we get taught and is also kind of the code becomes the man code or the boy code is don't be weak. Don't show weakness, Uh be strong. Mm -hmm. Like that's what, that's what we're handed. Um, Mm -hmm. and so we, we kind of evolve and place ourselves in relation to, to that, uh, distortion. Um, because what we know now is that, uh, actually, uh, what's true power takes a lot of vulnerability and, and, uh, I like to reframe vulnerability as a superpower, um, so in the field of men's work, there's a couple of forces going on. And one of it is reclaiming vulnerability and reclaiming the courage to feel. And in the male only room where there's just men in the room, the nature and alchemy of what's possible in that space is totally different than if it's in a, a all gender room or a mixed gender room because uh, of the dynamics of that, of men, you know relearning how to go in and down and uncover what's there you know what what's in the dark there what what kind of gold can we find in that darkness
0: hmm. and so when you say so what what is it that different that can can emerge in, a, in an all-male like what do you notice that can move or that happens differently when it's just men together and the vulnerability
1: well um i'd uh, one way of explaining it is just the bioenergetics uh, of sexual polarity. Like mm-hmm. imagine being imagine being in a room and there's only men, and there, there's conversation flowing, and there's humor, and there's connectivity, um, and then a woman enters the room, and the entire vibe changes. You know, you could reverse these roles, right? It could be the other way around, mm-hmm. and you could see a room full of women all connecting, in their 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 mode. And then a man walks in and boom, there's a spell that sort of casts itself around the room. So going back to the first example, when, when that circle of men is penetrated by the presence of a woman, immediately every man in that circle might project his feminine onto her. His whether it's mm-hmm. whether he's attracted to her or whether it's a mother thing or whatever, whatever she takes the feminine, and then the the males can stay in the masculine. But if she's not there, and if the room is sealed and it's contained and it's just men, then as individuals, each of us is forced to integrate our inner feminine and to to work on purpose with that and to strengthen that uh, pull within mm-hmm. us. Um, And we do that Mm. and witness each other in that and uh, challenge each other and (laughs) confront each other with that truth mirror. Um, And when, when you really get a circle of men who are, who've gained a sense of, of trust in each other a little bit, even just a little bit um, the real uh, gift of that is when men um, challenge each other on their bullshit (laughs) because they're listening and they know, and they're like, what are you lying about now? Um, So that's kind of part of the fun. Um, um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, mm-hmm. but I went off on a tangent.
0: Mm-hmm. No, you did. And, and actually just something really interesting is in my women's group, what I noticed is how much we're all processing how to step into our masculine, <laughs> like, and embrace those parts of ourselves, you know? And so I am just like, oh, that's interesting because I hadn't thought of that before that the polarities, right. It's like this female container for us to explore that part of ourselves. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm
2: getting really curious about circling back again to the shame. I've read a lot of books because uh, I'm really fascinated with the masculine and feminine polarities and understanding the differences between men and women and how to support each other in relationship as men and women. I mean, so often I read that women are Always saying to their partners, their male partners, you know, I want you to talk to me more. I want you to share with me more. And then when they do, then the women are like, oh, stop telling me all your emotions. <laughs> and so I just imagine it's just so confusing for men on navigating how to be vulnerable when they're getting so many mixed messages from women and from the culture. And it makes me circle back to, I know, traditional, um, you know, tribal living and things. And how was that vulnerability shown and embraced within the tribe? I'm just throwing all these ideas out there because I want to understand so deeply what this vulnerability can look like in a healthy form in relationship
1: you know what came to mind as I was listening to you was the uh, the deep gendered ground that's missing in the modern in the modern context of whether we look to, to tribal traditions and indigenous lifeways or or we're looking to just ancient village life where where, where there was uh, more of a, a settled sense of connection with place. The words Robert Bly likes to use for Um, What was lost in the Industrial Revolution is the link between fathers and sons. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and in that, there's a deep gendered ground and a knowledge of what it means to be a man um, and belong in a certain place. Obviously, you know, men in that place and time would have a different sense of what it means to be a provider, protector, member of the village through that way. Um, in a different place, right it's all it's all relative to context. But either way, there was a holding. there was a proximity mm-hmm. of men being held uh, by other men, you know, and not not in any way idealizing or glorifying it because I'm sure it had its own shadow <laughs> um, expressions of of shame and whatnot too but but the presence of those uh, cultural lines where you know we can um, actually connect uh as men and women in in those you you know respecting those polarities um that's what's been been lost and I think that's what this whole movement um, of men's work is an attempt to recover uh, but to recover in in a new way like in a here and now way so just again what we touched on before of like how do we face the modern world of um you know commerce as it is now and Mm -hmm. community as it looks now and um and you know be healthy because there's this trifecta of insanity called um like leading in business or in work and raising children and uh, looking after a relationship like that that trinity that's Mm -hmm. a trifecta of insanity um, no matter what your gender. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's crazy making yeah. and we need more more uh, supports in place to not have mm-hmm. people get stuck or cause yeah. harm.
2: It's so complicated these days. And I think how men used to have that relationship with their fathers because they would apprentice beneath them. Whatever their father did, they would jump in line with that and learn the skills and have, it was like, it was just so clear. Ah, this is what I do. I do what my father did. (laughs) So I imagine that just not having that father figure to, to follow in the footsteps is a big um, missing piece. So I'm wondering just how on earth that gets filled in an initiation, like what exactly is happening? Like if you're leading an initiation process how can one mature into that feeling without having had that as a young man?
1: Um, be- yeah, beautiful question. Uh, for, for, there's, I mean, there's a couple thoughts that come to mind. I mean, obviously, initiation is a huge, huge, uh, vast set of possibilities in and of itself. But on the specific pain of the father work piece, I actually have a, Six week or six step process that I guide men through. And I've run it as a group. Um, and it's a father work course designed to look at your relationship with your father and look at what's yours and look at what's his. And um, whether your dad is alive or dead, um, this is the best way to get a man or a group of men into the mm-hmm. deepest, deep end of their own soul work (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, is to drop into that because the father is also in the soul psyche, whatever you want to call it. It's also the shortest route to the King, to the inner King. And that sense that center of authority that's emanating from, from the center of that man. Um, So yeah, looking at that is a huge, huge, uh, Wounding place. I've never met a man in the work I've I've facilitated um, who didn't have some layer of mixed feelings towards his dad, and and that's what's so rich about it is because when we open up that that um, light and shine a light on that relationship, there's lots there, uh, and and sometimes it's uncomfortable, and sometimes there's pride and so many wonderful gifts, and sometimes there's some garbage. Um, That needs to also get looked at Um, and getting, you know, in there and sort of psychic surgery on cutting up what's what and leaving the garbage where it needs to go or composting it and then strengthening those gifts and that blessing that whatever, even the missing blessings, because yeah, fathers have often been absent or um, abusive or distant. And we're living in an age now where Fatherhood is changing so much. Dads are wanting to be connected now and engaged um, like previous generations have not been. Um, so we're actually breaking ground and creating new patterns culturally and new templates of, of possibility. Um, and it's amazing because on an evolutionary basis, you know, that healthy, engaged father with the family is a, is a huge um, evolution that's going to really help actually helping the next generations.
0: Healing. Mm -hmm. So So my sense of what the initiation is, is like I'm just getting this feeling as you're sharing that even just a man showing up in this work and showing up with other men and opening into the vulnerability is the initiation. There's sort of this place where they're like cracking open into support of other men and being seen by other men and being called forward by other men is I think what I'm hearing. There's like this really choosing, it's like that process is the choosing to step forward in a way that maybe would have been supported by their dads or by the men around them. And to whatever degree they didn't have that, this is where that can be held. Is that right? Is this what I'm hearing?
1: Yeah, completely. And there is something about brotherhood in the context mm-hmm. of personal growth work or men's work, that um, can act like a, sal- a salve uh, for the deepest wounds uh, related to father work, and um, and and it can soothe those those places of uh, you know self doubt or um, you know father hunger or father mm-hmm. rage <laughs> or any combination thereof. Um, so yeah, it's totally the realm of so many blessings, uh, to look into those, uh, those tender places. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Well, and also probably to have, um, like, I'm just thinking of how often it comes up in my work that people can have a hard time thinking of, a masculine that feels like they were representing a healthy masculine for them to model themselves around, you know, and how important that role modeling is even just to be around a fellow man who is embodying that and seeing them and see realizing, Whoa, this person isn't weak. This is like such a strong, and actually getting to see that. And I, I'm just getting the sense of this is where the, the mirroring back of what it is to be um, a masculine, with the vulnerability and the masculinity can happen.
1: Yeah, and and you know when I what what you just said reminded me of this um, thought that Robert, the poet Robert Bly, describes with within um, the relationship between boys and men, and he calls it an, an invisible substance. That there's an invisible substance that passes uh, from men to boys in mentorship. And, and mm-hmm. boys will receive something that um, you can't even see, but you can sense. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I can relate even from times when I've um, been a young, even as a younger man, uh, seeking initiation and finding circles of men um, in sweat lodge or in other ceremonies where... Uh, the transmission of that bone memory, the bone marrow level uh, satisfaction I got from my own father hunger, uh, just got so satisfied being uh, in that close proximity with other men in ceremony. Um, and so there's the one level of like thinking, oh, I'm going to the men's group because I got these problems I got to solve or I want to talk to someone about or, you know, there's that level. But on another level, there's something invisible happening just by coming together and um, giving each other strength uh, like that and lifting each other up. So there, there's also that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have such a sense of that. So I have a specific question for you and I know you touched on this earlier. I can't remember the words you used, but the question I have is like, this I think you said something like there's kind of been this disowning or something of the masculine or like a of what it is to be man and I'm just curious about where your sense is that this comes from because just the context for me is so I'm a therapist and I work with people and it's really fascinating to notice that both in the feminine and the masculine I notice right now there's like this big um, disowning of what it is to be man or some of those masculine qualities almost like a um, a rejecting or a moving away, and it's a curi- it's a curiosity that I have. Um, obviously, you know in my practice, I don't have men that are really in that old traditional <laughs> paradigm of the masculine showing up you know um, but I'm just curious what your sense is of that and even just a little tidbit, what's been really fascinating for me is I'm pregnant. And it's been interesting as people are curious about the gender of my child, it's interesting to notice that people have a lot of stuff around if it was a boy, as opposed to if it's a girl. And I've been really shocked at like that being like a constant experience, no matter who I talk to, they're like, oh, it'd be so good if you had a girl. And I've been kind of like offended. I'm like, whoa, this is like really fascinating that there's some sort of judge, like really strong judgment towards the masculine and that's coming from the masculine and the feminine. And so I'm just curious to hear from you about that.
1: Wow. Hmm. Where, where to start on that? Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's a big one. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I see it. And I, I I think that I, I always come back to Robert Bly because I read his book, Iron John Um, a book for men that was written almost 30 years ago now. I think it was written in the late 80s. Uh, And it's an amazing book. I've even taught courses on it. And uh, I recommend it to men that I work with. Uh, But he said something even 30 years ago that he noticed and what concerned him. And you have to listen to kind of between the lines to hear him share this concern. But it was for the... um, trend in society going back even decades before that of the soft male
0: Uh uh, of the Uh um
1: of the sedated male is what i we could call it today um and these days the the evidence is clear with uh with video games and media um porn addiction like you know you name it there are so many ways that men self-medicate and sedate in order to mm-hmm. numb out and not show up and face the pain that they may have to face to uh, move through. Um, and, and of course, then we have legacies of, of abuse and um, abusive power over dynamics from a, from a distorted uh, kind of corporate mm-hmm. capitalist patriarchal, like I don't want to get too far out there, but, but there's, le- there's le- also the legacies of the harm done Uh, Uh, by, so kind of all these overlays, um, where it actually, can men men can, can internalize a sense of self-loathing for being a man, uh, to -hmm. stand in the historical legacy of, of what that means. And I mean, I could see it in my own journey of healing and transformation, having to confront those places where I didn't accept myself, even as a white man. Confronting legacies of genocide, slavery, land theft—all of that—and then constantly looking in my in the mirror and saying, "Well, but I am—I am the fucking white man." (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) How do I how do I not internalize (laughs) some level of oh maybe I'm no good, Um, which is ultimately Mm -hmm. the definition of shame. The difference of guilt and shame, of course, being shame is when I believe I am no good, not that I just did something Mm -hmm. no good. I'm so. Shape uh, shame shifting uh, is a major, Mm -hmm. subtle but powerful work, Um, and I do feel also that like the results are in. In the last uh, several decades, testosterone levels within men have plummeted, and right now there's uh, tests that have been done in uh, across the board. Men across the board have such reduced levels of. Of testosterone, they have almost half as much as their grandfathers had. Um, so this is like scientific data and it's, it's mm-hmm. partly in the food, um, all the preservatives and all the, the weird shit that goes into dairy. Um, anyway, I don't want to go too off on a tangent, but <laughs> testosterone is <laughs> definitely linked to a man's leadership capacity. That's why it's important. It gives mm-hmm. him his co- power of his confidence, his power of his, his, uh, libido has power to lead his own life and that's why it's important um, and mm-hmm. that, and and so yeah i get fired up because i do also see a pattern that that one one uh way we could describe it is a kind of a a polarity that gets reversed a reversal of polarity where we get a, a masculinized femininity mm-hmm. and a feminized masculinity Mm-hmm. And there's something in that that's just like out of balance, and it's and it doesn't feel right on a on a gut level, um, and it's pretty widespread. Um, and so I I get excited uh, about all levels of men's work uh, where men are just entering spaces to be courageous enough to feel what they need to feel. Um, But not get stuck in the wound, too, because there are there's certain elements of men's work, which which can be just wound gazing, like, let's just, you know, feel a lot and, and that's good. That's a level and a layer of of necessity. And then there's another layer uh, that is also moving forward, you know, and and coming, Mm -hmm. bringing that um, power and potency into the world. Uh, And so, yeah, both, both and.
0: Yeah, it just sort of sounds like what you're speaking to is sort of like the, uh, what I'm hearing is like uncoupling maybe the harm that has been done, you know, from what it is actually to be healthy masculine, you know, and like really separating those two is almost like we're having to, as a collective, rediscover what that is and to embrace it and welcome it and realize it's actually very different from what we're afraid of or what has happened, you know, because what I'm hearing you describe as healthy masculine is something very different from what my nervous system kind of gets tight and (laughs) revolts against, you know, which is like the, like the harm, the harm that's been done. So it's beautiful. It's like, I'm hearing this, like, like you said, building new templates, new templates, but that are anchored in ancient like that are there, but it's like remembering. Yeah. I get
2: excited wondering about how those new templates are built when I think of, (laughs) Um, the men are from Mars, women are from Venus, author. The name's eluding me. But um, he speaks to how.
1: Gray, is it John Gray? Right, yeah.
2: And he speaks to how um, if um, a male is engaged all day in female, quote, I'm air quoting right now, tasks such as being at home with the children. That then that man's testosterone will drop. So he needs to bring his testosterone back up (laughs) by engaging in activities that do that, such as going to his cave alone or. Um, engaging in sport with other men, this kind of thing. He's got it all kind of laid out, and it's quite repetitive. But I'm going, oh, my gosh, how are we going to have men involved in the family and and have their testosterone levels stay high? (laughs) Like, this is so complicated.
1: Great question. I I, I know that author uh, also, you were talking about boys because you work in education. I was just thinking of this book why mm. our boys are struggling and what we can do about it. The boy uh, Warren, crisis. The boy crisis. Mm. Warren Farrell and John Gray is his co-author who wrote okay. men, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: but I agree with the, uh, with that. I mean, there's like a, a primal place of reclamation that can only happen uh, with, within uh, relationships um, between men um, that are just f- for men to do that work. there's a place where I think um, the women's mysteries and the power of women uh, is also uh, something we need to respect um, and give uh, space for you all to hold um, in in a in with reverence um, and also contain some mystery around that. And similarly uh part of our reclamation of of our pain or our our fierceness or that primal stuff uh, you know that that we get um in embodied ways uh together uh we need to do that um as brothers you know and as men um and that uh that's so necessary that's that's you know that's a big part of my mission with the coaching business and um the men's group work and the book that I'm releasing in the coming weeks.
0: Hmm. Can you tell us a bit about your book?
1: I'd be happy to. So the the book is called Alive on Purpose. And the subtitle is long. and, And it's this, Unclench from Fear and Step into Your Power, Backbone, Heart and Balls. (laughs)
0: Mm. yes it's so embodied it's embodied (laughs) very unapologetically embodied (laughs) yeah (laughs) and clear like so clear yeah I'm really curious to hear about
2: your journey personally if you care to share Gabriel like do you feel like there was a point in your life where you were a soft male and that you went through a process to reclaim your fiery masculine (laughs) reclaim your sword Uh, oh totally and Mm -hmm. you know
1: you said it with reclaim your sword Mm -hmm. um Robert Bly when he described that um concern he had about the uh soft males um he described being at a, a conference a men's conference and they were doing some ritual where they had a sword and every man got a chance to pick up that sword and say something you know claim something um, and he he was just like, there was men there who could not pick up the sword. Like they literally were not willing to. Um, mm. And so that, that you know, is a moment. We can interpret that a lot of different ways. But I I will definitely own that. I went through a phase of leaning back from the world in my early and mid-20s where I, if you would have handed me a sword... <laughs> During that time, I would have been that guy. I'm like, Hey man, I'm not touching that thing. Hey, 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 you know, I'm going to go over here and meditate or something, you know, like I was definitely a flow boy and that's part of the shadow of the spiritualized communities is, you know, um, flow boys Mm -hmm. and we're going with the flow. We're just going to follow along and groove along. And that's that feminized masculinity archetype, you know, with our, um, I mean, I could, I could get funny and have some dark humor here, but, uh, um, I I won't. Um, but anyway, I've been that I've been that guy, and I definitely had to confront my own truth mirror of seeing who I am and who I was um, incarnating to be here, and then pull together some pieces that I had abandoned um, largely because of uh, I think systemic shame and just my own journey. So. A big part of that was going through the Sundance community and spending nine years in relationship with a Sundance Arbor, um, mm. and, and doing lots of vision fasting and um, dancing, and yeah, and, and receiving a lot from those elders and from those um, older dancers who transmitted a lot, um, not just teachings, but, you know, invisibly, that invisible stuff. Uh, so that was a big part of, of my own uh, coming back home to myself and um, pulling the pieces back together, and which ultimately everything I'm doing thereafter is an emanation from. I even write in my book that the whole book and every word in it is an emanation uh, coming from the prayers of the Sundance tree. And um, so that's, that's really just what I'm walking through is the prayers that got made in that um, Lakota spiritual way of life. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about my story and, Mm -hmm. and, and just coming also, uh, doing a training in art therapy with, uh, 25 or 27 women where I was the only male and, Mm -hmm. and in a therapeutic setting, I knew right away, like it was, it was like encoded in my purpose that I, I requested male supervision, um, in my first Mm -hmm. two weeks in this two-year training. And boy, did that upset my instructors!
0: Uh (laughs) They didn't like that one bit.
1: And I was like, "Well, I just know that part of my work is to work with boys and men, like that. You know, that was my calling." But they didn't like that, and um, and and that's also part of that stigma and recognizing that that uh, that men speak a different language and men need different healing containers, so that we can do our work. and so when I got I got out of that program, I was really hungry for that male mode of feeling, and I joined a men's group, and I stayed for nine months. Um, and these men in this group transmitted a, a beautiful gift to me. And the, the mode of, of meeting that they were following is something that had been developed for 30 years from men in this movement, learning and tweaking how to show up in ritual space together, how to um, work through the main male archetypes that are most common king warrior lover magician and hold a space of transformation for every man in the room um so that was another gift is to kind of um weave that into my own initiation of of just getting to spend that much time with men who were showing up to support one another um and just getting real together
0: yeah, it's like I'm hearing your initiation was being steeped in these different containers of of discovery with other men. But also, like, the Sundance is such an embodied way to do that. Like, very earth-centered and very, yeah, and so rooted in the um, tradition. Um, I, I do have a, a question, and I don't know if this is opening a big can of worms, but I just wonder if we could just speak very briefly to this, but you know, this has been my own challenge in my work with people is trying to find the place because there's this place of the body and this the, the real lived experience of gender and of sexuality and of like what we're born with. And then, you know, in our society right now, there's this whole exploration of gender as also a social identity, you know, so non-binary and the spectrum. And you know, I'm just curious if you have anything, how do you hold both of those in your work or how do you speak to that? if you have someone asking about that?
1: Well, I like in my therapy practice, I have supported people through transition and through a tra- through transgender process just by, by virtue of having my doors open. I've always just held it that, you know, people are gonna identify however they need to. And ultimately it's just about creating safety for their journey. I, I do also have concerns because there are a lot uh, more. This was this was a couple of years ago. There's a lot more these days of um, supports for people in transition and transgendering identity um, at younger and younger ages, uh, you know, like 12 and 13, like there are kids in middle school who are give, being given the option that um, that there's no such thing as men and women. There's just, people and 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 I think there's a lot of trauma as well Mm -hmm. um and so I think a lot of you know I want to honor all all gender expressions because I do know that 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 it is true that we need to all we all need to queer up a little bit of our rigid polarity and our definitions of what it means to be human Robert Bly says there's three main initiations that he names men's initiation women's initiation and human initiation. And I like that because it kind of lays it out. It's like, oh, right. And then there's also the in betwixt and in between. So I, I, I celebrate and all, all uh, expressions of gender, but I also know what I'm here for is the people who I can help most are the men who are here to become better men. That's where I stand in the spectrum that's how I identify, and that's how I can be a best of service to the whole so um you know I can be an ally or I can be a, a helper, um, but ultimately i'm going to stay in my lane and and work with men and challenge men and and help men uh whole themselves ourselves as a whole uh i don't know is that a that sounds like a that feels like a complete kind of
0: yeah yeah of that it feels. yeah thank you yeah thank you that just really and and what I'm hearing is you finding your place in that big picture and saying and and this is so much of the masculine and being on purpose too is being really clear about what your purpose is who it is you're serving and showing up for that you know while honoring honoring the other experiences so thanks for thank you so much for answering that question yeah so maybe
2: just to wrap up Gabriel, what would you recommend for someone who's looking to start this process? Like where would someone listening at different ages, perhaps even, you know, if there's um, someone who's a teenager, young man, or what about a man in his fifties or sixties, who's wanting to do this work and what would you recommend as a good starting place for them?
1: Great question. And, and I love that you're, you know, framing it between like adolescence and sixties, you know, because <laughs> um, it reminds me of the um, Martin Prechtel story of with the um, uh, village and the village initiations of those Mayan people that he lived with. And when their, interu- their initiations got interrupted and they stopped happening, he, it fell upon him to bring them back. And... Um, and so he, he started them again, um, but because there was a gap and that there was men who had missed initiation and then there was, you know, young boys or youth who were wanting that, um, the, the cohort he had was a mixed age. It was like older men and younger men, it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is a, a key piece of this puzzle is just acknowledging that, that we're all going through initiations anyway. Um, but, but doing it on purpose is a, a, an intentional act of, of calling together the elements and the people and the lineages that are going to best serve. Um, and it, it's ultimately a soul process. So therefore, it's nonlinear. And, you know, someone may get the call at 18 to go and vision fast and hang out with the warriors and, get, you know, sharpen their spear or not it may come when they're 58 or, you know, in a midlife crisis at some point, there's no right or wrong. However, they do, they do say there's an age around mid thirties where men actually start to dive into their shadow work, um, because they've lived long enough to kind of be able to know what that is. Um, but in terms of next steps, uh, one way is they could um, buy my book yeah it's uh, really for all men and and I'm writing into that purpose discovery process that can be picked up at any time. It can be picked up at any time um, and and really just reach out and just open up and create uh, spaces for uh, for conversations really it's it's an ongoing conversation, whether it's happening in a contained group or Um, on, you know, out in the community, um, it's, it's an evolution. And so, yeah, my book should be available by mid mid November. um, But hopefully in the coming week, I'll get a funnel up so people can pre order um, some copy if they want. And um, I'm also launching the book with a men's challenge, an online men's challenge, that'll be a five day experiential where I'll be working with the men in the challenge um, and uh, moving through some process, some of which is inside the book. So that's another uh, possible next step.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Thanks for bringing this work into our community, Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Opportunities yeah. for our men.
0: Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being a transmitter of that substance and like cultivating that energy and, sparking these sparks in in the men around you it's really um it feels good it feels good to to feel your purpose and yeah to feel you stepping into it and it's really powerful
1: thank you and it's wonderful to just um share some time with you and um, get all excited with you
2: about all this stuff <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <Yep. laughs>